0: hi guys welcome to the break the chain podcast this is a an interesting one today i'm sat here with my ex-girlfriend and now good friend tina dickinson uh this has been a long time coming hasn't it this podcast um i think the fact that you're sat here today is incredibly heroic um and you've come here to shed light on mental health issues um having having kind of seen behind the scenes into your life and the uh, you know, the daily struggle that that, um, you've had to face. I'm surprised that you're still here, (laughs) seriously, uh, and it's absolutely amazing. And as I say, it's heroic that you are here and that you're here today. Um, Thank you for coming on the show. Um, I was just, I was wondering if you could, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily always super helpful to um, obsess or fixate on on labels of diagnoses but just just to give a bit of an idea of um the things that you've had to face would you mind telling uh, the audience what your diagnoses have been
1: yeah absolutely i'll just I'll reel them off um okay so i guess it's always been bipolar bipolar 2 So bipolar 2 is sort of the more depressive of of the two different denominations of bipolar. Um, Usually um, I've got borderline personality disorder as well, so that kind of always gets grouped in with something or other. Um, PTSD and um, anxiety, like chronic anxiety. So I get like some really good panic attacks and whatnot. Um, I think probably for as long as I can really remember from childhood but um you know you get these diagnoses when you're a little bit older and it's like great I've got labels now what do I do how do I get better so that's what I've come to chat about like how we get and how that process is going because I've wanted to do this for ages and I've mentioned it it's you loads of times I've kind of tried to get into other projects as well but it's um it's one of those things that just kind of gets put pushed back further and further because it's never the right time right so I'm really pleased that we're getting to address some things now
0: it's amazing isn't it um to anybody that I mean the first time I met you uh first impressions are um like heart life and soul of the party really funny uh, quite loud and boisterous uh and you know just just confident and just really fun that was the the impression that I would have got from first meeting you an incredibly good first impression um what would you like to um i know we spoke a little bit earlier and you mentioned that one of the things that you kind of wanted to touch on was um what's really going on behind closed doors um would you like to touch on that
1: yeah absolutely because i mean like you said you can come across pretty much anyone that you want and you'll know from your experience with like using drugs to mask how you're actually feeling. It's never really what's actually going on. Like, to be honest, a lot of the time still, I don't even know who I am. So that's what I'm trying to figure out still at the moment is I'm trying to work out who I am and and what my identity is. Um, So uh, you have to like, excuse me as well, because with my anxiety, I kind of, A, go off on a tangent and B, completely forget where we are. So I might need to just catch me up a little bit every now and then. Um, we'll be talking about diagnosis.
0: I do that as well. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, we're just, just, Uh, Oh, okay. Yeah. I've just remembered life and soul of the party and whatnot. So what's really going on behind the scenes. Okay. Um, Yeah. I mean, even with some of my closest friends because of, of um, trying to talk about things in the past and trying to, and, and actually showing who I am to people. A lot of the time there has been quite a lot of rejection with that. And, with rejection, it just becomes more and more, you know, you, you, bury yourself, like you take a million steps back. You might make a little bit of progress, but the second that someone says to you, oh, for instance, one of my girlfriends or my close friends a while back said, I think you're being really selfish. Like, why are you doing this? And I was making so much process of uh, progress. Sorry. And at that point I was way back beyond sort of square one. I couldn't even see the line anymore. Um, so you really don't ever know what's going on because you're really good at lying as well when you're when you've got these mental health problems because a lot of the time I can only speak from from my point of view obviously and from my feelings um it's a bit shameful sometimes I think I feel completely embarrassed I don't feel normal like that's a huge thing um and I feel like there's probably no one else in the world ever a lot of the time that feels like this when in reality like the age that we live in now with with social media and corona going on at the moment um I think we're all feeling it we've all got a bit of mental health issues going on so that's why we need to talk about it a bit more that's why you're doing such a good job with with break the chain um but I mean more on I'm kind of concealing that I've always been in work like I've always had jobs whether I've kept them for a while or not um is a different thing um, not really been fired from too many jobs but I've I've had to move on quite quickly because I've spiralled that quickly um, and you know toward the end of, of certain jobs um, I'd go to my, my day job in, in the office and I'd sit there and I'd cry all day and I wasn't keeping it anymore and, and I mean literally I lost all this weight I was gaunt um, most of the time I was high and no one actually made that conversation with me. No one sort of broached it. There were were meetings with managers and people that go, are you all right? And I'd say, I think I'm going off on a tangent here as well, but I'd say like I'm going through this big court process at the moment and whatnot. And they'd be like, okay, well, how can we support you? What can we do? Are you going to be okay? And I'd just go, you can't, I'm on my own. Like, I'll get it sorted no matter what. Um, And you could just hide it. You can hide it to a certain degree, even when you're that obvious and you're, just i've got photos of those days because i wanted to remind myself once i'd recovered how bad it was where i literally look dead like i'm I'm on a different planet completely and all of these people around me could could see it um so you know toward the end it wasn't concealed i uh, say so toward the end I'm, I'm still ongoing obviously um but you really never know what's going on um And everyone's got their own battles, no matter what. And I've got to say, like, for me, mine seemed completely normal. All of my foibles, um, all are completely natural to me. It's all real life. It's all just every day. Like, it's normal. But then I speak to, or like, Carlo, my partner, and he shows me the progress that I've made, even just since I've met him. Um, It's not normal. (laughs) My life isn't normal, and... It, it definitely needs to be spoken about a bit more because i know a lot of people are, are facing their own battles but to others maybe this is nothing maybe all my maybe all my shit's nothing um it, it's it's one of those things you can never tell what's going on and we need to have the conversation more and be persistent in asking for that conversation
0: i've seen both sides um you know i've seen like the the Tina show as you've called it where you're out and about and then i've seen the reality of behind the closed doors and where you've been pulling out your hair your eyelashes your eyebrows and i've seen you literally hitting your head off a corner of a radiator manic like in, in a way that's just like like terrifying yeah, like absolutely after, so where you, and where absolutely. you can't even you lose the ability to talk to to dress yourself and people wouldn't see that behind the doors and there was a few times where in public it kind of crept out and I think that was actually after the incident where I was incredibly unconsiderate of your PTSD was when it actually got really really super bad I'd love to I'd love to try and um, talk about each aspect of uh, these labels and what what how you think that um, if you can kind of explain how they affect your life and try and give people a bit of an understanding of these things independently. I know I talk about anxiety quite a lot, but yeah, bipolar. Yeah. I don't know if anyone, does anyone understand bipolar?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Like it's, it's a weird one for me as well. I think because I've got all of these labels, do you know, I don't know which one's which and to me, like it's all just me. Like I don't, I can't differentiate between what's bipolar, what's borderline what's PTSD and I also can't remember when all of these different symptoms started it literally is for as long as I can remember um, like giving myself black eyes and stuff and and I literally just losing control. I believe that that's more probably inclined towards PTSD and maybe uh, I've kind of self-diagnosed maybe a little bit of psychosis as well. Um, but with the bipolar, that is where you have kind of these dangerous highs. And I say dangerous because for me, it's it's almost worse than the the lower state of bipolar. So when I go on on a high um, and the teen show comes out, which, to be honest, doesn't happen very often anymore. That's kind of the old days. Um, for, for now, what I do is I go spend loads of money. I spend money that I haven't got. Um I get really hyperactive and I laugh and I joke and I literally can't stop jumping. Like I'll literally be jumping in the air physically running around. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, it sounds like it's not really a bad thing, but when you wake up like a few days later, however long that high has been running for, when it hits you and you snap out of it and your bank accounts like low or negative and You know when you go and have some drinks or you you do whatever, um, drugs or whatever, and you have the come down. I don't know if it's the same for you, but I always hit the shame train. Like that feeling of overwhelming guilt. Fuck, what did I do? I've done something terrible. Like people are judging me. And sometimes even if I haven't done anything wrong with the bipolar thing, after a high, that's exactly what it is. It's I can't face the world and I'll have to come off Facebook and Instagram for like, weeks at a time because I feel like even if it's just like one story that I think I've shared that might've given some sort of insight into me being a nutcase, like I then completely close off and and go back into my shell. Um, so that's, that's the high side of bipolar. And then the the lower side is just, it's the darkest depths of, of depression, like literally and, um, digging yourself deeper and deeper and deeper into that pit. Um, of self doubt, self sabotage. Probably my um, my biggest thing is the amount that I just literally pull myself apart um, before finally sort of, you know, having to reach that that really bad bottom place to be able to one day go, all right, you're the only one that can sort this out. Crack on, like what you're gonna do to make this better. So deepest, darkest depths of depression and the highest of highs, but. Not really a happy high. It's not like you're ecstatic. It's it's all just completely fake. Nothing's real. It's it's kind of like a, a drug fantasy, if you will, if that resonates with you at all.
0: I can I can relate on a very very um, minor level, but yeah. you know I've had times when I've kind of felt myself getting excited, and I'm talking and I'm like. And then my what I'm saying is not necessarily relevant to the reality around me, and I get I, I you know and I say things start saying things that I don't necessarily uh, just 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 too much, you know. Mm. And then I've had it where people yeah. just been like, just like, just calm down. And I'm like, what? Yeah. And I, I feel great in a way. I'm just like, ah. and it's like, I just like, just chill out. Yeah. And it's like, uh, oh. And I guess, and I, but I, I feel shameful that I'm being told to calm down. Like, I feel like it's embarrass- yeah. embarrassing. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's when it kind of hits you, like it's like, oh doing. And I think I've got to say, like, yeah, I, I can imagine that you feel little bits of that that here and there. I think I've probably seen bits of that in the past because I really don't believe that, you know, one person has this diagnosis, this diagnosis, this diagnosis. I, I think that everyone has a little bit of everything. Like I, for example, believe that I have quite a lot more um, of different mental illnesses, like on the on the scale of it all. But I really do believe that most people have a, a tiny bit of of all traits, if you know what I mean. It's just how much you acknowledge it and how much control you have over it. Um but certainly
0: witness symptoms within myself of these different things become greater and lesser in my life, even though they're not on an extreme oh, oh, my anxiety has been extreme. But but the other the other things, but I st- certainly experienced myself sliding up and down these spectrums at times. And I, I I'm not I'm not doctor. I don't know anything. But these labels are, are modern. They're only just you know the the psychologists are what they're really good at is thinking of new names for stuff. <laughs> and, and yeah, sure, it labels are a cat. It categorizes behavior. But it but it's certainly not something that you are, is it? I don't, would you agree with that?
1: absolutely yeah I completely agree um someone said something to me uh, one of our friends actually a couple of years back and and I was at the time going yeah you're right and he said um oh everyone's anx- anxious these days it's anxiety this anxiety that and I do think the word gets thrown around a lot um as with like depression oh I'm totally depressed and everything well oh, are you um but it's this new age that we live in like this social media age this Netflix era this like having everything here and now and you've got to be talking to everybody on social media as well as socializing as well as self-care as well as like um getting involved in it like um charity and matters that you believe in and things like that it's it's you've got to be involved with everything all at once so I'm not surprised that mental health like is becoming more of a thing because it's it's getting a bit out of control I think and it's quite scary where the world is heading and how much how overwhelming it can get feeling like you've got to be involved in all of these things and I don't know about you but I get this um terrible terrible guilt I mean guilt and shame are some of the things that I feel most days no, every day most of the day like about something or other um But like for me, you know, like Messenger conversations and WhatsApp, all these different apps, they're all going off in messages. For me, I barely can keep up with my day to day life without looking at my phone. I I come off social media quite a lot because I can't I can't handle it. I can't reply to messages. I can't even look at the messages because then I'll reply and then they'll reply. And then I've got to deal with it all over again. Um, So. I have this huge guilty feeling that I've got all of these messages racked up from even when I was pregnant and I've not spoken to some of my family members, some of my closest friends in the whole world because I just can't keep up. So it wouldn't surprise me that pretty much everyone is is really struggling with that one as well.
0: Totally. A a, a few weeks back, you always feel like you're busy. You're always busy. You've always Mm -hmm. got something to do. You never have time. Now's never a good time. But if you just stop doing whatever you're doing, it will be fine. <laughs> um, and I actually just went through. And it is hard to get these moments where you do take a pause and just and just put everything down for a moment. But I just went through and I just turned, figured out as many times as can. If you can. If you YouTube this, it'll give you some ideas. How to make my phone annoy me less. How to... Stop my phone from buzzing as many, as often as possible. I went through and I turned off certain types of emails. You know, <laughs> Amazon was emailing me all the time. It was about fifty buzzes a day just from them, and and I just went through and I just did as much as I can. Put apps into one folder so instead of being loads of these red dots. God, they do you red in. Yeah. It's just like yeah. ah, leave me alone. So I put a all
1: reminded that you can't keep up with your life mm-hmm. basically. Just
0: just. I didn't. I didn't get rid of it all, you know. I didn't go that extreme. Although sometimes I'm sure that's called for, but for me, I just, I just minimized it all. And I mean, obviously, making your life as simple as. I mean, Facebook at the moment is sending me nuts. I don't even know if you're on it at the moment, but the yeah, they, they I are, am too, They have just too. overdone it, and I, I suspect that that people will be. Everybody's feeling this irritation with it. It's just so mm. many options. It's so complicated, and. You know, I've got a sign in front of my face here. It says, simple is beautiful. And I'm really trying to practice that in my own life because with my anxiety, I have to, have to, have to, I have to do this.
1: I think the the thing with the whole messenger thing as well is I always have the best intentions. Like I actually, I I asked you to put me in touch um, with one of your friends because I wanted to really learn from her. And do you know what? I've not even I, I contacted her, sent her this big message. She got in touch as well, and then from that, I, I've not even replied again. And that's the same with with everybody. So I start with these great intentions. I've been discussing doing this project with you for ages as well. Yeah. But actually, just yeah, uh, yeah every, everything gets very overwhelming, and then I kind of just switch off. Once things get overwhelming, and that's a lot, I, I just I just switch off, and I do the bare minimum. I call it um. Survival mode, like literally just make sure that you have a shower, make sure that you eat, make sure you brush your teeth. I mean, now it's a bit different because I've, I've got a five-month-old baby. So <laughs> survival mode is getting by to be, to be there for him. Um, I've, I've got no choice anymore. Like I've got to sort this out. And it's never been a case that I've not wanted to sort it out and that I've not faced these things because, as you know, I've always been really open about my mental health um up until recently where I thought that um I could be getting on people's tits with it a bit and didn't want to push push my opinions on people um but yeah it's um it's now time I think to to really figure out and and discuss it so I can figure out how other people have, have helped themselves and how I can help myself because as you know like it's it's your head it's my head like no one else can change it it's it's a task that only you can do um so as much as the different therapies that I've had, none of them have, have clicked with me. And I'm hoping that opening up the discussion will really just sort of help help us bounce around some ideas and, and help each other out a bit and get each other through.
0: I have I have some thoughts on on that. Um but first I would like to um finish talking about uh these things because this is something that is is very very, very real. And scares the shit out of me, mm. especially in not knowing how to deal with people and being so ignorant and insensitive. I don't know if I was so much. I was insensitive, but I didn't. I honestly didn't know. And I was so selfish. Because of my, right. my addiction. Yeah. My addiction was just. I. My. I was. I was basically anything that I. I had to do. To do with drugs, I had to do it, and I was not that I had to had to, but I was. I had lost control of my life. Yeah, and you were there. I was following yeah. I was following whatever my my habit was doing basically uh, and obviously we was gonna uh there was a rave on and it was in a it was in a place um and you did not want to go there and I was just like i just couldn't understand how going to a place would be that bad and yeah. I, I, I more or less forced you more, not not entirely but you know if I went, you was coming with me uh and i
1: thought i thought i could do it as well i mean there were doubts and i remember saying like i don't know if i can do this but i wanted to push through and i wanted to face it um i think well
0: it didn't go first, well did
1: it <laughs> it didn't go well um my ptsd comes from a couple of different places uh but mainly two abusive relationships so one when i was 15 to 16 not well, 15 to 17 sorry and um one literally a couple of years ago over here in Australia. So at the time, obviously, this one was um, when I was really young, when I was 15, 16, and I was in this very, 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 very abusive relationship and mainly psychologically um, abusive, but physical as well with this particular one. And we were going to this venue, weren't we? And and it was in the same – I don't think I'd ever been to the actual venue. I hadn't. It was just the fact that we were going to that town. In particular, where all those memories were of like, being dragged around in the street and punched in the face and set fire to, um, sexually abused, and and all of these things. And oh, I don't think we even got
0: just that. just I even. Well. I I mean, I know I know you told you told me a lot about it and showing me photos and stuff from that thing. Uh, even just thinking about what you've told me now, I mean. I don't know if there's any need to go into the depth of how horrific it was, but it was torture. Basically he was tortured. Yeah,
1: it was. I mean, I slept outside. I slept outside quite a lot of the time. And um, he had all of my friends beaten up, like literally put in hospital. um, All my friends, he stole everything from me. He'd ring my mum's house phone and he'd, he'd give her a load of abuse. And he'd, he'd tell me that my family didn't want me and that I couldn't do any better. And I'd be locked in a wardrobe and, And all sorts of things. Like it it was it was hell. Um so going back to town and and having all of those memories just hit me. Um I guess what is what I'd know now is being triggered. I was completely triggered. Um and as you saw, I could just completely lost control. So I I think I don't have a huge memory of that particular night because I do I just shut off, like I I'm gone, basically. Um but I couldn't I couldn't talk, I couldn't smile, I was just literally, like, just, just not there, was I? Just not there.
0: Often um, that would happen, often that would happen where you'd just go completely yeah. vacant, and you'd just be, you, you were scared, you could tell that you were scared, and really, really confused, and that would happen in oh. public, I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. our friends back in the UK, everyone, there's so many people, drug addicts, are incredibly understanding, And and we've seen way worse, (laughs) because we're all nuts, and it's true. But you were speaking about, um, obviously, when you've grown up there and people, there's a bit more background, and it's fine, and Mm. the the roots are a bit deeper. But you spoke about when you've been out with friends who are newer friends, Mm. and you've had a bit of an episode, and, and they've just been like, no, and just not wanted anything to do with it, basically
1: yeah I think my um my way of handling it over the years changed a little bit as well um because I tried to hold it in for that long like i could I could kind of show it a bit with you and your friends because everyone was so understanding and like they were they were like family instantly but I think the the friends that I've lost since I've been over here in Australia it's been really hard because i've I've held it in so long all these different things that have been triggering me and when I'm finally hit that that switch no matter how long it takes sometimes not long at all it turns into a bit of a brat show if you if you will like um kind of like a massive tantrum like screaming crying pulling my hair out on the floor punching myself in the face pretty much making it it looks like kind of attention seeking which what it's been told before I've been told that yeah that I've I've been literally just doing things for attention which if I wanted attention, I'd just go get my tits out. I wouldn't be punching myself in the face. <laughs> Something like that. Like, it's, yeah, no, it's it's never been for attention. Um, but I've lost a lot of friends, really, really, really close friends. Um, friends who said that they'd stick by me, friends who said that they understand or understood, but how, I don't know how you can really understand that. Um, so I I don't blame anybody that it was too much for, and it's been too much for a lot of people. Like, I've lost a lot, a lot, a lot of people. Um and a lot of the time I think now maybe I could have explained it more, but because I was so just not as calm as I am now. I was absolutely I was still drinking and still doing drugs at the time as well, which didn't help. I'm pretty sober now, apart from the last couple of weekends. Um but three years sober. Um but at that time I wasn't controlling what I was taking as well. So that had a big part to play in it. I think people saw me as the life and soul of the party as a um, bit of a comedian, a bit of a, bit of a dickhead, really a bit of a clown. Um, so when they saw that really serious side and we tried to have those conversations, it was like, yeah, we're we're here for you. Like talk to us anytime. But when it actually came down to it, they thought I was being just completely selfish. And again, I have, to, I have to completely understand that because it's not normal behaviour. I've never seen anyone act the way that I do or or did in the past and, and have done really up until the last kind of five or six months. Um, maybe a bit of a tangent here as well, but I told you earlier that at the moment it's actually the longest that I've been without being psychiatrically sectioned against my will. Um, so the last time that I was sectioned was in February I was admitted to the psychiatric unit here in Sydney uh, for a few weeks, and that was while I was pregnant as well. I was about—I um, had my baby in June, so I was—I was quite far along. Um, so it's, it's sorry, I have literally diverted completely, but um, that's good. <laughs> It's difficult to kind of try and narrow it down and, and not, there's so much I want to say all at once, and it just it's... go for it,
0: <laughs> fire <laughs> it out. It's good because you know it's such a purge, really. And and it is liberating, and with and, and love comes with understanding. And mm. I, some people can't understand and they'll never understand because they can't because they're possibly in their own degree of mental health issue mm. or spiritual health issue. Um, that, that, that they are wrapped up in, that I was wrapped up in with my drug addiction and that so many people in this world are wrapped up in. There, there's, you know, there's, um, everybody hides their identity. Everybody does this. Not many people are comfortable with exposing who they really are, what they really mm-hmm. like, how they feel, without... Uh, uh, this is why we like alcohol and drugs. Yeah. This is why we like it because when we do this, it lowers everyone's inhibitions. You, you can talk, and people don't even listen anyway. <laughs> they don't even hear you properly anyway. This is it why we like it. It scares me
1: that it. I don't know if I will find my identity because at the moment, I, I don't know who I am. In all honesty, I'm, I'm desperately trying to seek who I am and what I'm all about and what, what I want from life and how I'm going to do that. And a lot of the time, I'm completely baffled by myself. Um, I'll get the odd day when I'm like, right, I've got this, I know what I'm doing, and i will come home from work and I'm really smiling and positive and I've made dinner and I've made his lunch for the next day and, and everything's absolutely perfect, but it just doesn't take a huge amount to hit that realisation of what am I doing and, and who am I and what what am I about? Why am I here? Um,
0: it's, totally, which, it's totally cool that you're thinking that, though, because most of the world... Practically everybody thinks that they would really know who they are and have a firm grasp of what that is, yet who they are today was definitely different to who they was a week ago, let alone a month, let alone a year, let alone 10 years, and they're constantly changing what they like, what they do, and who they think they are, and I think in their body, and it's all, it's all changing, but they haven't realized that they always think they know who they are, yet it's always different, and in, in 10 yeah, years, probably. they're going to be different again, so no one really knows who they are. They're just yeah. kind of very... And I think one of the things is people believe that ignorance is bliss and not it's one of the... It's, there's a lot of questions out there in the world that we don't want to think about because it's bloody stressful and we want to believe that we're in control of something and that we know yeah. what's going on. And it's really stressful to think that we don't. But I think if we don't answer these questions uh, or at least seek seek answers to these things, we, mm-hmm. we, we can never really um, transcend this uh judgement and and feelings of lack of self-worth and not being accepted that come with trying to get the approval of other people who don't know who they are either
1: yeah yeah absolutely but it's it's a journey isn't it like i i don't think i'll ever stop looking and trying to figure it figure myself out and challenging myself um like I was very torn. I I talk myself out of doing this with you all the time because I worry that it's going to be like, oh, me, 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 poor me, poor Tina. But and I don't want people to have that perception of, um, again, going back to the attention thing, I think that's really kind of scarred me a while ago. Even a family member said that I used to do things for attention and it's made me close up that much that I don't really know how much to share anymore. I feel like I've got something to offer. I feel like I've got some experience that, a, someone might be able to relate to, like we might be able to help each other. I might be able to help someone figure out what's going on with them, and really help people that are around um, the person that's struggling as well. But at the same time, I think, oh, why do people want to know about you? Like, you're not, you're not special. Your problems are no worse than anyone else's. Everyone's got issues. Like, don't make it the Tina show. Don't make it, uh, you know, don't make it all about you. Um, and that's my my constant thing. Um, I think I know that I'm really hard work as a friend, as a partner, as a daughter, as a sister. And that really hurts me because it's the opposite of what I want to be. I want to be be easy to be loved because I love people so easily and I want to be able to help people. And at the time, it comes across that I'm this bratty little princess that, that has these overwhelming tantrums for what people see to be no reason because I don't explain it. I can't explain it at the time. A lot of the time, I don't know why I'm, I'm doing it, and it takes a lot of analysa- um, analysing further down the line for me to understand that what what really was happening and what was behind it as well. Um,
0: I, know, I know that you haven't even told people um, 5% of what's going on. You know, like... I know that there's there's so much more to the picture. Absolutely, you know, There's just an unbelievable amount of uh, depth to um, to the suffering, and I honestly think that it's just amazing. You just, and I honestly think you're such a wonderful, and nice person. You know, you really are. That's <laughs> true, and I think any, everybody, I think anybody would agree with that. And
1: uh, but, well, uh, just want to just want to be a good person. Like I think as long as you've got that, then um, you've got everything really. But it's it's hard work to be a good person. We were discussing this earlier as well. Like all the, all the changes that we want to make, it's sacrifice. It's um, being that honest and that raw with yourself in the first place is is really hard. Like I'm the first one to bury my head in the sand about things. But hopefully, like more and more involvement with Break the Chain as well. I'd like to think that I'd be able to like face up to those things a bit more and be more honest with myself more than anything. Um, and that's what this is. This is me. This is a really good way for me to analyse myself because I push it all, all to the side and just go, right, tomorrow's a new day and everything's gonna be fine. Um but
0: it's fascinating yeah. to um tell your story and record it and watch it back again. Mm. Because you get like an outside perspective on your own story and you're like holy shit wow is that me you know is that my story um it's really interesting and you get to watch yourself say stupid shit that you wish
1: you hadn't how how am I going to cram it all in like there's I feel like there's I don't know anyone else like me and it's maybe it's because nobody's talking about it like I haven't been talking about it but I'd love to know that I'm not on my own here and that I'm not an absolute psychopath and that I'm not the only one that's that's really struggling with with who I am and being completely overwhelmed every single day, all day, and just going right today. You're going to do it. You're going to get through the next hour. You're going to get through the next two hours, and you're going to be okay. Like I'd, I'd really like to know that I'm not the only one because I'm sure anyone else that is feeling this way. Of course, I'm not the only one, but that's how it feels, right? Like right? So
0: the way the way the way that yeah this conversation that we're having just is not giving an accurate representation of of what your day-to-day is really like is it Mm -hmm. Uh, like you're doing well you're doing amazingly well um and it's so cool because you actually you actually reached out to me earlier and messaged me which is you know unusual and as I say it's like last time I spoke to you and we discussed this was over a year ago maybe 18 months ago that we said let's do this and I've barely I've spoke to you maybe twice since then I think like hardly at all
1: and um, it's. I wanted to do this. I've been wanting to I've, – I've said for years to myself that I was going to write a book and I started writing notes here and there, um, a book for um, people close to people that are struggling to be able to help and offer that support and do it in the right way and do it confidently and and to not lose your mind yourself in the process kind of thing. But it's one of those things that, like this project as well, I wanted to be further along in my recovery um, to be able to help people more. Like I don't want to, I didn't want to just come on here and go, "Oh, these are all my issues," uh, but I don't know how to solve them. What do I do? Um, but at the same time, it's like I said, nice to know that you're not on your own. And and also, I like reminds me all the time. I have come a long way. I have come a long, long way. Like when I met him, if I think probably. I'd have to ask him, but I reckon probably every, at least two or three times a week, I would be on the floor, screaming at the top of my lungs, pulling my hair out, ripping my clothes off, punching myself in the head, uh, banging my head against things, running away, jumping out of moving cars. Um, and I had no control over my own mind. Like, it was it was that bad. Um, I actually went for a job interview, Um I got the job so I won't say which job it was but I came out and I didn't think that I'd done very well and I dropped to my knees in the middle of the city centre in Sydney I just started screaming I can't say what I was screaming but it was very self-deprecating I was punching myself in the head and I was banging my head against the pavement I just think people saw this like that's that was me and I hadn't even thought about these moments until like Carlo goes, "Jesus, you've come so far. You're doing so well." I'm I'm really nothing like that anymore. Um, even just in the last year, like it's it's amazing how far the recovery's come. And I've got to really credit a lot to Carlo, first of all, for being ridiculously patient. For um, <laughs> ridiculously patient.
0: Well done, Carlo. <laughs> well done, Carlo. <laughs>
1: And just being encouraging and showing me love when I was pretty much unlovable. Um, so definitely for him, definitely for the fact that we had a baby after getting together six months. We planned we planned having a baby after six months. That's what crazy people do. <laughs> um, we got engaged and got scrubbed up six months in. Um, and that obviously is going to change your mind because I mentioned to you earlier that. You know, I've been, oh, I hate discussing it, I hate, I hate the word, I've been suicidal, like um, really suicidal, like like I'm done, like I'm out, like I'm calm and I'm happy with it and I'm waiting for the right time to not upset people, like it was all planned, it was all in place.
0: Can you explain the, uh, the um, you, you explained it to me earlier and, and I think it's quite important to, to, to explain the circumstances and how you felt.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, at the time, it was the second um, abusive relationship that kind of tipped me over the edge and and losing all of those friends because I'd lost my mind through it. Like, when you're psychologically broken down by somebody that, you know, you think you love and you think that you can trust, it chips away at your own mind. They play that many mind games. that It it turns your mind against yourself. Um, I felt genuinely crazy. Like i I didn't trust I still struggle with trusting my instincts completely. I don't know what's paranoia and what's real sometimes back then, I didn't know at all what was paranoia and what was real. The fact that I was smoking an ounce a week of weed as well didn't didn't help my situation at all um but it was the fact that I thought that with my bipolar and depression and stuff that I'd been in that place where I didn't want to be here anymore um but it was actually about 18, no last last February, so not not this February, just gone the year before. So just over a year, and nearly two years. Sorry, I was done. Like I I called my my best friend, and she came over, and it was kind of if that was my last attempt to get myself back on track because I wasn't leaving the house. I was going to my day job to get by, but I'd literally tunnel vision, smoke loads of weed go to work, hire as a kite, eat some edibles, smoke a couple of joints on my lunch break. If that didn't hit the spot, then I'd um just not tell anyone, get up out of my day job, get the train home to my suburb, smash like eight eight bongs, go back to work again, and then just do the whole thing again. Like I wasn't living kind of thing. And I, I hit a point where I couldn't do it anymore. I was, I was not leaving the house from when I got home on Friday, until having to go to work on a Monday and dragging myself there absolutely dragging myself yes I was doing it I'm seen as being a a functioning mental health patient I wasn't functioning at all not even the slightest and I thought about like admitting myself to hospital again but I just thought look I've been there I've been there dozens of times like they can't help me they've already said that they can't help me they want to put me on these drugs they want to put me on those drugs I don't know what's helping. Nothing is like if, if they don't know what to do me, with me was my opinion. If they don't know what to do with me, how the fuck am I meant to know? How am I meant to make myself better? If if they're like, um, so I flew, sorry, my, my best friend flew over from the UK as sort of a, a last resort. And it was my really just my last hope, I think, because I was on the edge and she was here and she's a healer. She's a um a kinesiologist, Erica. And it was quite striking when, you know, sh- I could see how upset she was, and I felt nothing. Like I felt completely calm. And she was she was struggling with it. And seeing me in that place where she knew that I was I was going, that I was that I was disappearing. And even when she couldn't even do anything for me, um, it it really hit home. We, we went to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers, like, which is kind of a once in a lifetime gig. Um, and one of my favorite bands of all time. And I stood there in the audience and I just felt nothing. I felt numb. Like my face was just, just nothing, absolutely nothing. And I just, I remember thinking at that time, I can't even pretend. I can't even pretend to feel like an ounce of, of anything. There's no spark in me at all. And just felt completely calm with just not being here anymore. And while I was at this gig, I was stood there planning how I was going to do it, when I was going to do it, and I felt completely at ease with it. In fact, I felt a bit happier. I felt a bit calmer because I thought, I've got a way out. I know what I'm doing now. Um, so I assured her that, every, like, that I was okay and everything, and she flew back a couple of weeks later. But in my head, I'd already started planning. um oh. It's gonna really upset her seeing this actually because I've spoken to her about it. Um, I started planning everything. I told um, <clears throat> I told some friends over here that I was moving back to the UK, um, and I started to get a bit happier just because I knew that I wasn't gonna have to deal with like how I felt for much longer. Um, but luckily, that that girl's a stubborn bitch, Erica. She's and, amazing. Um, is incredible even from far away like she she saved my life a couple of times over now so yeah um you know when you think when you think that you've been to the lowest point and when you think that you've been through it all and you think you've you've had all these problems only to a a point later in life for you to realize oh god that was nothing like this is actually how it feels and to be okay with it and to be ready um it takes a special kind of someone to kind of drag you back from that so um it opened up conversations so what she did and this is this is a really good point to get across on on how to be able to help some people in that situation while she was here she was a busy little bee and she made all of the, all these arrangements with friends that I've got over here. So she came and met a few different groups of my friends and she got their contact details. And without me knowing, she was in touch with them all the time, going, I haven't heard from her, can you can you get in touch? And then she'd speak to another person. She'd go, Will you go and see her and I think she needs somebody and I didn't know that it was Erica like like pulling the strings behind it or accepting no glory from it. You know, she was just doing it literally to help someone else. And she was doing it at all hours of the morning. She she had phone calls from me all day, all night, all through my office job when I'd get there and I'd just literally be crying all day. and I couldn't do a thing. I'd call her for the whole day pretty much. So her nighttime in England uh, was spent just with me, like inconsolable, crying down the phone and not able to talk. She just should just listen and um you know I said earlier that I've always wanted to write a book or or do something to be able to help those people um around those ones that are struggling to be able to help help their loved ones um because I know for a fact that I wouldn't be here without her um and and other people like um mainly Erica but Many, many other people, like my support network over here has just been fabulous. And my mum and my sister have been incredible as well. Um, but we really need to be working out a way to help those people who don't know what to do. Because you see someone smacking their head against a radiator, what would you do? Like, we just think,
0: I just did I drugs.
1: Know. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know what to do with it. And it makes me feel terrible. I say to Kyle a lot, well, not a lot anymore, but I used to. I used to get really overwhelmed. And I'd say, when I felt myself spiraling, I'd say, we can't be together because I can't do this to somebody. It's not fair. It's not fair to put all of this on you and expect you to to carry me and to stay by my side and to pick me up. and, And to constantly, all day, every day, all night, every night, be that person that is just putting someone back together, basically. And I'm very lucky that he's he's stood by me and that I'm I'm stronger than ever at the moment and that I'm only going to get better with him by my side. But um, we really do need to be having conversations with people about how to approach people that are struggling and what's the best way to do that because I'm no expert on everyone else. I'm, no, I'm not really an expert on myself. Um but I think the more that we share about it and the more that we the more that those that are suffering as well talk about it, um we're we're gonna be able to help each other out. Like I can't imagine being in that situation that Erica was put in, like um seeing someone that you love that much fading away and saying, Literally, I just wanna disappear, I just wanna disappear, I don't wanna be here, I I, I wanna be invisible. And, and, you know, meaning more to those words than they probably seem as well. Like, um, she's incredible. And anyone that is able to stay by the side of somebody who has issues like mine, incredible, absolute heroes, because that takes something else that I don't know if I could, as much as I want to help people and as much as I love helping and I love people, I don't know if I've got that strength.
0: The funny thing is about that, that situation is when you see someone else in that situation, it snaps you out of your own shit in a second. You're just that's like, it. bang, you are out of your head and you are just like... It's probably the best you're going to feel because you're just not in your own head. And yeah. it's amazing how many more people there are in the world that are actually prepared to do that for people because I've spoken to a lot. Mm. And one point that's so beautiful and I think mi- and forgotten these days, is that, that love and an act of love is prepared to take a great deal of uh, discomfort for the good of others. And it's amazing. And it's amazing to see people make the sacrifices of their own comfort to, for the good of others and actually experience a profound sense of joy of doing that. And when it's That's less it. extreme, it's hard to do that. But it's things that we can all do in our own life more that is just, just like a growing... A growing Mm. feeling of love. Absolutely. another point that um, you touched on, and through Erica's profound wisdom, um, and and something else that you know that I realized as well is that um, you have to have to have to have to let people know that you're not okay to get better, Mm. because people can't if they don't understand or know. Don't be surprised that no one's coming around to help absolutely if you don't absolutely. if you're if you're on your own if you tell people which is really uncomfortable but it is that is the route to recovery isn't it it is
1: it's not it's not always we both know it's just not that easy though like i like i said before i did my best to hide it because i was scared of that rejection again i was scared of nobody knowing what to do with me and i didn't want them to feel that that burden, that like, oh well, that desperation of what well what do I do? How can I help? And when you feel like you are helpless, like I didn't want to put that on anybody because I really did feel for a lot of the time that I was um unhelpable. Unhelpable? That's not a word. Like un, like nobody could help me. Nobody could do anything to change my situation and therefore there's no point in worrying anybody about it. So I'd actually do my best to to cover it up. Um I've hated all this. I've really hated on the whole Are You Okay campaign and all of that stuff because from what I could see when I was in these office jobs was just, um, you know, you get the little post-it notes that said Are You Okay and they've all got the little nice little yellow stationery packs and stuff and and then that's it. You have a nice uh, afternoon tea to raise some awareness or money or whatever and then that's it, the full one day a year. Perfect. Like, what's that going to do? I know,
0: I you know. Do? I, I think it does need to be tackled on an individual mm. level where mm. individuals take it upon themselves and begin to understand and appreciate that they need to physically, by themselves, go take a great deal of care for other people and deeply consider and become aware of what other people are going through. Instead yeah. of chasing... And I can speak from my experience again because I've literally learnt this through great loss but when you're too busy chasing your own desires you do not see what, what's going on with your friends and I've got friends that aren't here anymore that I know that I would have known in the, with the knowledge that I have now and that's come at a great price and I don't think that it has to, I know it doesn't have to no. if, if we can cultivate empathy and compassion right. sooner <sighs> It just needs to be that, that genuine
1: that genuine conversation that that genuine want to help somebody get out of out of that dark place. Um, and yeah, I think looking for those tiny little signs, um, I'm, I'm guilty of just constantly saying, sorry, sorry, sorry. And, oh, like I want to catch up with people, but I never do. And, um, I think looking for those little signs of somebody that doesn't look after themselves mentally, um, You know, those little telltale signs of physically putting your head down and, um, like, for me, I pull my hair out all the time. I'm surrounded by hair in this very moment. Um, Just looking for those little things that aren't quite right, those little quirks, and maybe not just bouldering in with, are you all right, but opening up a conversation where that person is going to feel more comfortable about opening up. Um, Actually, we touched on earlier how... I thought I had that with some friends, and it, that was actually one of the things that s- sent me spiraling down. So I'd, I was doing really well. I was listening to positive affirmations every single day. I was reading some um, Eckhart Tolle, and I was, I was, I was doing really well, um, or oh, I, I was getting there. You know, I'd, I'd actually written affirmations all over my house in post its everywhere. I looked like a crazy person. Like, it's, you are brave. You are strong. You are good enough. And all of these things. And I'd just, I'd walk around and I'd repeat them to myself. And I felt like I was getting there. Like I was, I was pushing myself to go out and see friends at the weekends. And then I got let down quite badly by a couple of people. It was actually around my birthday a few years back. And I thought that they were like pretty much my brother and my sister and um, a few different people, basically. And it made me think, God, you can't talk to anybody. You can't because they're they're just gonna let you down and then you're back on your own again and you've you've made yourself that vulnerable for no reason, um, which is worse. Like right? because then you just feel really shit about yourself. Then you do feel like a burden. You know when you've they've opened that door for you to have the conversation, only for them to be kind of freaked out by your actions and your your behaviors, have that slammed back in your face and like I said before, back to beyond on square one. Like my walls go up. I'm not gonna talk at all. Um, and I still very, very, very much struggle with, with opening that kind of conversation now, um, find it easier to talk to the people that have seen it, like yourself, like Carlo, like Erica, um, like my mum, like my sister, but it's, um, it's just not always that easy. You don't want to worry people. So let's all just be out on the lookout for these little, these little telltale signs that something's just not, not quite right with somebody
0: i think sometimes you can tell someone straight and they're like oh yeah yeah yeah." and they're like but they just don't they can't appreciate what the reality of what you're telling them is and i've had it with my drug addiction and then they've they've actually seen it probably you're one of those (laughs) and when they've seen the reality of what it's actually like they're just like holy shit i can't deal with this because yeah. It's, it's yeah, yeah, completely yeah. consuming. Like my drug addiction is unreasonable. It is uh, selfish. It, it 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 it's it's in control. And if you're in my life and I'm a drug addict. Oh, cool. that's so bad. Ooh. I'm on. I'm on hold. I've gone sideways. I'm so sorry,
1: my phone went. <laughs> it's
0: all right. Are we? Are we practic? We're practicing um, authenticity here, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, just talking about, you know, my addiction and how and how ruling it is. Um, if that was me having a shouting fit and losing it, I'd be doing it. <laughs> it just happens. That happens to be my foible, doesn't it? That happens, you know, um, when it goes, it goes, and, uh, and then off we go. Oh. That's
1: right. <laughs> it is consuming. It is completely consuming. Um, I mean, I, I touched on before the fact that I'm classed as a functioning um a functioning mental health patient and i i even like i feel like i have to kind of act like i'm functioning to the psychiatrist to the psychologist um and it's never the case you ca- i can never convey exactly what it's like because in those moments where i'm sat in the in the doctor's chair and whatnot it's i can only remember a certain amount of things like the times when i black out and i'm going completely crazy uh like I've, I've blacked out and I've gone completely crazy and I don't really recall those properly. So it's hard to be able to describe the whole kind of situation to them. Um, but for me, for my, for my day-to-day thing, um, I struggle with a lot of anxiety. I struggle with a lot of, um, I don't know what you call it really, but I struggle with just the world around me. Um, I struggle to, I can't eat in public. I can't have anyone eat around me. Like if eat eat at home, The TV's right up. We don't tend to sit at the table together a lot of the time. We are getting better at that. say we. I'm getting better at that. Um, But that's a really big thing. I I really struggle to be in public at all around any kind of food. I've constantly got my headphones in because I can't really cope with the atmosphere a lot of the time. So we'll be out to dinner sometimes and I'll I'll just have to go and just keep my head down and have blinkers on and not look because everything around me is just too much. Um, I constantly pull my hair out, like my my hair is completely thinning at the back. It's it got better through pregnancy and then recently again the, the hair pulling things going. Um but it's really tiny little symptoms like that that just kind of build up and then take over your whole day. Like make it hard to leave the house and um make it hard to get out of bed. I know a lot of people struggle with that as well. Um, but really just if I didn't have a baby, I don't know where I'd be right now. To be honest, um, yeah. I've got concern for him. So,
0: you mentioned that um, this is the longest period of time when you've not been sectioned. Do you mm. think that, the, that having a baby has had a big effect on that?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I don't. I don't remember the last time that I had one of these like, like one of these outrageous attacks, like these mental breakdowns. Um, I think it probably was when I was pregnant because I can't let myself get to that point now. I've got to have some control over my brain. I've got to do it for my little boy. And I don't want him to be around it. I don't want him to learn from it. I don't want him affected by it at all. And I want to be around for him. I want to be a Like, it's never been the issue that I don't want to get better. I do. I just don't know how. But now, more than ever, now that I've got him, failure is just not an option. Um, as much as I really struggle at times, I don't really know how, but just having him in my mind, it's, I've managed to like pull myself back and assess the situation. Um, I mentioned before that I was smoking like an ounce of weed a week. I was spending loads of money. Now I have CBD. So the CBD doesn't have the THC in there. I don't get high. And that really helps me to just chill and analyze. So I'll go and have like, a couple of gummies or I'll, I'll smoke some uh some cbd flour um and that seems to be really really helping just to get myself together because i haven't got time like being a parent is the most consuming thing that i've ever experienced in my life like it's relentless it's all these little tiny things like a nappy here and a uh vomit there and needs feeding. feed here and <laughs> even, but but it just doesn't stop it's on a loop so it's, it's <laughs> relentless A lot of people can relate to, I know. And I haven't got time to be crazy, and I haven't got time to dissociate either. I haven't got. I don't want to waste any more of my life. I I talk to Carlo all the time about our pasts and our memories, and he tells me all these amazing stories of where he's travelled and what he's done. And my mental health has held me back that much that I can't really remember anything. There isn't really anything that I'd say. Um, was a time when I was completely happy because I've just always been drowning it with with drugs with alcohol with whatever with partying with weed and not really being in the moment I've not felt like I've been present for my whole life Um, that was another diagnosis was um, dissociation so it's kind of like kind of like watching yourself on tv permanently it's like an out-of-body experience but all the time. Like I don't feel like a human. I don't feel like I'm having this conversation now. You know what it's like to be present, and I guess what it's not like to be present. And yeah, I, that's my my big battle now, is just making sure I'm here, that I'm enjoying every moment with my baby and with my partner, and that I'm going to enjoy my life from now.
0: So I had to do that as well with my addiction. Well, my, addic- my addiction was, you know, my, my mind didn't, uh, I was way, 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 way less serious. Um, I think, but you know, like, my mind uh, didn't have that function of disassociation oh, I did a bit, I was always staring out the window and daydreaming, and any opportunity to escape I was into it,
1: mm-hmm. whatever
0: other thing I did, but you know, my drug addiction literally was chemically doing that I was chemically just disassociating it's exactly yep. what ketamine does it's what Absolutely. it is. literally yeah. the job of it <laughs> um, <laughs> it, sh- it, shuts your- it shuts off the senses, basically Mm-hmm. which is like you know anxiety comes through the senses through yeah. uh, through um you know triggered triggered by um, some kind of stimuli like um some object of the senses and you see something and you're like and then the anxiety comes from the external from mm-hmm. from the world outside so it's like just wanting to turn uh turn those off i I found that my my process of uh, of reco- uh, help get, the process of recovery has also been. Um, through, obviously I don't have a baby, but um, through finding um, good to do outside of myself and bringing purpose to my life and meaning. And I'm very much busy and engaged as well. Often. I'm very busy. Yeah. You know, but I, I try not to get attached to that busyness and, be, and, be, and accept that things change and that I can't control anything. But I just do my best. I just do my best. And that's been like... In a nutshell, the one of the biggest parts of my recovery. You're right.
1: Sorry, I'm too popular. Like, I should have like cancelled all my notifications. This is the problem with doing it on your phone, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Do you feel like you have set, um, n- knowing that you are, um, you've been given a certain. Um, body and mind and uh, and level of functionality that's out of your control do you feel like you've adjusted your expectations of life um what you are capable of doing and and how you uh and how you try to be in the world to uh to deal with um your psychology
1: well first of all like i wouldn't change the way that I am, I wouldn't change any aspect of my life whatsoever. Like I wouldn't change all of these issues that I have. I'd want to be able to deal with them a lot sooner and enjoy my life a lot quicker. Um, But I do feel that having these feelings and having these emotions and these complications in my mind, I I really feel like it helps me be a better person. Like it helps me be a kinder person. Um, It makes me, it challenges me to push through it. Um, Like I could have given up many times, um but it 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 more propels me to move forward and to to be better and to really just not see things in black and white like um I like to think that I can kind of pick up on what other people are feeling a little bit and I can hopefully know a bit more of the right thing to say obviously everyone's everyone's different as we keep saying so it's it's never easy to really make that conversation and Um, figure someone out and like approach the matter with them. But I do feel like it makes me um, more sensitive to those kind of warning signs, those little red flags um, that, that are going on in people's minds that they're putting out there. And really just to be able to understand everything a bit more and have more patience with that. I've made my own question there. I and my answer
0: to a different question i don't even remember what was going on with that question um yeah. I, I don't yeah i don't think that was that was i don't think that i think that was a different answer to it was a nice answer though and it was a good point um what what i what I was talking about with setting more realistic expectations was uh, was for example not not going to certain social events not mm-hmm. you know um for example, not I. I wouldn't go down to, a, down to the pub anymore. but mm-hmm. I, I won't be going to a rave. I. I barely. I don't really like going into a busy city. Yeah. I, I get overwhelmed. I know I do. I've accepted it. I can go into the city, but but I, I generally don't. I generally seek more peaceful environments. I seek um, people who are in recovery from drugs which is mm-hmm. something you we spoke about earlier and and I'm sure and I know because I do speak to people um who have pages uh dedicated to dealing with bipolar and, and Instagram is for all its faults is one of the most wonderful places where you can go and type in drug addiction or addiction or recovery or sobriety or bipolar or PTSD mm-hmm. and find all these wonderful accounts of people who are dedicated to improving that situation same on YouTube and you can you can do that, and I I bet that there's some really wonderful, and I bet the twelve step recovery programs for dealing with these things. And and I and I th- I can't speak for anybody with um, PTSD or bipolar, um, but I can from a drug point of view of a drug addict, and I think one of the amazing things that the twelve step program does is it makes you pull this false identity off this mask. It makes, mm. you take, it makes you take it off. Because uh, when you go into these environments, it is essential that step one is that you, 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 know, you be completely honest and vulnerable yeah. and ad- admit you've got a problem and, you, and you, you're prepared to put yourself in front of each other. And this, this container, this environment, everybody in this environment is doing the same thing and it's so accepting and feeling of safety, which mm-hmm. quite possibly we've not experienced in our entire life. And hearing other yeah. people speaking, and one of the things with with um, twelve step recovery is that you, you get a sponsor. So you have, you know, obviously you have your program, the twelve steps, and then you have a sponsor, and you also have the group. But um, the sponsors don't teach from as an expert. They are all teaching from experience. So yeah. they use they use their own experiences to teach you. Uh, they've they've ha- might have had more time in recovery so they help you but also you them helping you keeps them in reality check with how bad it actually was in the beginning and it's just this whole support system created and I really believe that that's essential for recovery from anything if you actually want to have some sort of freedom and quality of life again so Mm -hmm. I I think that would be something that's certainly worth looking into and then you naturally get that support system that um of people, And you get the opportunity to keep speaking honestly as well.
1: I think that would be a great thing to be offered to people that aren't just struggling with addiction, that are struggling with mental health. Like, for me, I feel like I'm addicted to self-sabotage. Like, I want some help with that. That is an addiction for me. Um, so I think um, it would be really good to actually have that put into place, not just for people with actual physical addictions, but for people that are struggling mentally as well, because there isn't that many, there aren't that many, um, programs to access just for being the way that I am. I mean, through having that domestic violent relationship and going through the courts and getting my, um, getting my restraining orders and things like that in place and, and having him found guilty and things, all of that actually set me up to go and do a DBT course, which I spoke to you about earlier. I still can't pronounce it. It's Like dialectal, dialectical behavioral therapy or something. It's like a, it's like a different step to the the CBT, um, and that's really the only thing that I was able to access. It didn't really, it didn't really fit with me at the time. Like I was too, my mind and my thoughts were too erratic or at all over the place. Um, the particular um, class or whatever you call it, it was. 12 o'clock on a Wednesday, so I would have special permission from my work every week to just pop off for an hour, and I'd literally run and get the train there, run and get the train back, not have any lunch and just be, like, all over the place. It wasn't, it wasn't going to sink in in that environment, really. And that's the only thing that I've been able to assess. Um, there needs to be more options for, for how to treat people with this.
0: One um, thing I mental. know... One thing I know for a fact is that mm. if you want to get better from anything, you need a, you need a process and a practice that is daily, with accountability that you do for the rest of your life.
1: Yeah, it's you, yeah.
0: It's you need you need to make it part of your life, and you need to make big changes
1: mm-hmm. in expect
0: in in what you expect of yourself, knowing what you can and can't control, um uh, and all these types of things. And if you do if you do practice these things daily you you can get better you can make a considerable amount of uh improvement especially in knowing what's in your control because it gives you something you can do towards improving
1: i think get, that yeah a lot of the frustration with myself sorry is just the fact that i want i want to get better like i just don't know how to do you know what i mean like I've, I've i really want to but I don't know how to access the help. I don't know how to get this like any kind of courses or any kind of um, help with it. I wouldn't know where to start, and I still don't. And I've felt like this for years. I've had um I've had access to mental health assistance in both the UK and in Australia now, and it kind of feels like they just don't know what to do with me. I get a a nice little magnet number to stick on my fridge with a helpline to call if I'm going to kill myself, which is great, but well, I don't really want it to get to that point where I'm at my lowest ebb and I've got to call a stranger and and tell them my life story. Like, I I need something before that. And, you know, it gets pretty desperate before you even hit that level. So I just don't know. I don't know what it is and and how, how we really attack it and how we really help the people that need to be helped.
0: I, laugh, I laughed then, and, I, and there was a great deal of value to have that number kicking about, but it's not really a great solution, is it?
1: <laughs>
0: it's probably seemed like it possibly an inappropriate time to laugh at something, but it just oh, seemed totally. a bit like that's probably not going to cut it, is it?
1: Not um, really. No. That's
0: it. I do think there's a great deal of value for anyone. If they can, you know, obviously if you can manage it, because obviously some people can't manage to make that step, because it oh. is scary. It is a scary step, but to just be like, "All right, I'm just going to give something new a try." I've tried loads of stuff. I need to try something new now. Uh, mm-hmm. And putting yourself in an environment such as a recovery environment, which I don't, I don't think that it necessarily matters if you have a drug addiction. If you go to an addiction meeting, Every, who who is not addicted to? Not sure. Who who, who is? not on some level addicted to not telling the truth and showing their true identity in fear that they're going to it's going to go badly everybody does that absolutely we're all it's totally terrified to, we're terrified of being ourselves. we're terrified of being honest in all the time we you know we think we'll be judged we think that we won't that things won't go our, our, the way that we want them to and um all these other things which in reality that whole category of thing is in the category of I can't control this, mm-hmm. and we, and you spend all your time worrying about that and being anxious about that, and you waste all of your life's energy on things you can't control instead yeah. of actually doing the doing the the things that you can and reclaiming all that energy.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
0: there's so, there's so much energy energy to be saved by not worrying about shit that you don't know what's going to happen. Because it isn't is a, it? that is addictive, isn't it? That is like the self sabotage. Was Absolutely, about.
1: yeah. I can't believe um, oh, I'm, I just really can't believe how far you've come. Like from from knowing how you were and and to the way that you talk now and to how open you are about how you're feeling because you were complete opposite. You wouldn't talk about how you're feeling at all. I think you talk about how you're feeling and you're <clears throat> just going straight to the drugs to mask how you're feeling as well. But it's yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing to hear you. um to hear you speak like you do and to be really trying to help other people and learn from them and help each other because that's what it's that's exactly what it's all about right it's no one's got the answer but if we can try and just dip into each other's kind of knowledge pools
0: no one no one giving you an answer is going to do anything
1: no it's got to be what's right for you it's got to fit it's got to be you doing it in your head
0: well someone can give you the answer and it can be the answer. But yeah, it's like down to it comes down to practical and repetitive application in your own life. Um and then being able to actually apply that wisely, which is the practical application of knowledge. Yeah. Rather than just like you can know something and that doesn't really do anything. But until you can do it and act and do it in in proper knowledge and then it I, I, and you know what What have I done differently because I even after I got so I was practically off drugs like for five years and even the whole time I was way more anxious than I've ever been in the UK mm-hmm. sober And um, what what happened was I followed a I follow a process with that has guidelines and every morning I do a small amount of exercise and I meditate every morning and then I I I, I follow strict guidelines that basically don't ever allow me to put myself or put my desires before anybody else's needs. And that's just just an absolute must. If I I start putting my desires before other people's needs, shit goes really bad really fast because that puts me in this place. This is where I am. And desires are never, ever, they never end. There's no end to a desire. There's always the next one and the next one and the next one and you're never satisfied. And then Mm -hmm. other people are neglected. This is my I'm describing my drug addiction. Neglecting everybody else to be to chase something that can never satisfy me.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And it's yeah, like you said, it's not just drug addiction, it kind of that fits the bill for a few different things like mental health wise.
0: I say I say this with the greatest amount of compassion possible um i haven't i haven't invented this this is um a, sp- a spiritual truth every single mental health um problem including my drug addiction is self-centered by nature in the fact that you end up locked inside your own head and you 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 yeah. you, you beco- it becomes Im- impossible even if you would like to to see mm-hmm. beyond your own mind because you're in such a bad place and it's so painful and it's so fr- frustrating and, and, the, and I sincerely believe that it, uh, attempting, and it's got come from, not, it doesn't come from the mind, it comes from the heart, from within your own heart you've got to, um, want, to want to consider others and really try and sit and, and, and that's painful and that's emotional. <laughs> and that emotional work is the hardest work to do because that's what we want to run away from. And there has to be an acceptance that we, we're going to have to walk through some emotional um, discomfort. But, uh, but in saying that, it's not like, it's like, for me, my highest emotional discomfort might have been like, right, I just need to stop doing drugs now and just sit there and face it like it's a, like it, like I'm going to war with that. No, I didn't, I didn't quit the drugs. I couldn't quit the drugs. I ran away. And I went, and even when I had no option of doing drugs, it was fucking torture because that was all I could do at the time. I Mm -hmm. did what I did what I could do because I couldn't quit the drugs. And and I I always find that there's always an option where you can start practicing that muscle and training it, training that Mm -hmm. emotional muscle, and not not avoid not avoiding every single uncomfortable situation all Mm -hmm. the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because that's a world of
1: anxiety absolutely you can't, it's you can't live like that you can't just avoid everything that's going to potentially trigger you.
0: I wrote something down i I'll try and remember what it was because it's actually like such an important point um...
1: okay, well, I, can't, home, I, can't, I can't
0: I can't see it uh off the top of my head but comfort and Convenience that is, and and false and false dreams that are promoted in this world are creating um, just the highest levels of anger and frustration mm-hmm. and feelings of powerlessness and uh, just, uh, and and self centeredness and all these things because we're also we have these high expectations of everything being fast and easy, comfortable. Mm-hmm. Because we, I, I just feel like we've been bred like zoo animals these days, uh, and and whilst being told that everything's perfect, and then when they let you out into the real world, it's like whoa, the jungle.
1: No, absolutely.
0: Where's Cinderella? Yeah. And it's just like whoa, oh, tiger.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's weird, isn't it, when you go up and you, you, well, when you're younger and you feel like oh, adults know everything, parents know everything, and you get to be a bit more grown up, and you're like shit, everyone is literally just like muddling their way through and making it up as they go along as well. And I do think that it's not a healthy place um, to live our world at the moment. I do feel like all of these being pulled in all of these different directions is just not what we were built for. It's not what we were made for. And it's, and it's really affecting a huge amount of people. I think it's only going to get worse and worse and worse. Um, And I just think recognizing that is going to be the first step for anybody um as well like things like when you don't realize how much time you spend scrolling through Facebook and things like that um that can very easily just take over your life and what kind of a life is that like I want to be in the moment I want to be present I want to be going outside the house and not just being completely distracted by something and then an hour later going right I've done nothing with my time it's, it's just not healthy it
0: makes me, makes me feel sick when I look at my, my screen time. <laughs> I just sit at home, just lounging around, uh, being part of that part of exactly what I was talking about there. Someone who chooses comfort, but um, I try to. Whilst whilst I, whilst I enjoy the comfort that I have, I try not to be attached to it and accept that the one thing that I can rely on in this world is change. You know and it's it, changes coming constantly at all times no nothing ever nothing lasts forever in this world um so just getting getting used to that and and as we spoke about earlier the um instead so i i try this this point that i made earlier what what did i say i think it was how much time have you spent doing things in the world up to this point in your life and bearing in mind you feel like you're always busy and everything you're doing is so important how much value does what you've done up to this point in your life really have and then i used i used the example of going to the gym uh to get this really like amazing buff toned body and you've Mm -hmm. spent you spent a thousand hours in the gym or more over the past three years. You're so proud of this body. You stop going or you have an injury or something happens. One month later, it's gone. <laughs> what was the value? You know? Yeah.
1: You can easily what was get the value
0: and what, what, what are you up to? What are you spending your time doing? And I think, you know, and I think the more that we focus on doing our best in every moment, instead of wasting so much time focusing on some outcome, which can end up leading us to so much suffering and disappointment because these outcomes they don't satisfy do they and they don't last
1: it's not long term basically it's it's you either gonna continue to work on yourself i can hear my baby and it's really distracting me poor little things struggling to get to sleep um yeah you either keep working on it and and keep building yourself up in that respect or you're gonna fail, and you're gonna fail often. These little short-term goals, um, or I guess, I guess with the whole fitness thing, is probably like a maybe not a realistic goal um, of something that you can continually do. Um, so it just needs to be modified in something that that's going to be more doable and go the distance. Kind of thing.
0: Well, I think. The fit, I think being fit's really important, but I think thinking that having this outcome is going to make you happy is bollocks.
1: <laughs> absolutely, yeah you're got to do it for the right reasons if you're doing it to look good in a sense, yeah that's fine, but I think there needs to be more to it than that
0: yeah definitely i'll um it's been absolutely wonderful to have this conversation, and yeah it's been it really has been amazing to reflect upon these, and you know I feel like i've been in um been down memory lane a little bit and it's um interesting and and to see how far we've both come really um, absolutely just, like who would have thought yeah because you know when we was together i i guess i always had like a bit of a hero syndrome where i always wanted to be like the savior and uh, and and being a good person And I, in my head i felt like i was but in reality i was using copious amount of drugs to kind of deal with it and probably making you worse and as well and it was this contribution of like both of our <laughs> mental health problems.
1: Which oh, I didn't yeah. probably
0: even accept that I had at the time. My addiction was just like built in. I didn't even see it like it was a problem in a way. But God, okay. it, got, it got out of control, didn't it? You know, yeah. two, two yeah. wrongs
1: did not make a right. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it was a recipe for disaster, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't.
0: I don't regret it though. It was, um, you know, like, I, I, and I'm thing. so. I'm so grateful um, for the insight. You know, it's <laughs> so valuable now. Absolutely. And, what you're sharing and have shared today it because you were saying you didn't know whether it would be valuable or you didn't want it to be a teen show and I'm and you said you, you said like I want to help people but I just can't help people but this yes. oh. this this will okay and I, and I like like seriously because it's I, I haven't spoke about any of this stuff yet nice. and it's so important and fortunately you've got it all so you know someone someone can uh you know it's kind of covered uh all the topics in one hopefully
1: someone can relate to a few different bits anyway yeah
0: um one one last point i'll make is um i hope everybody uh realizes that um if you message tina that's really difficult for her because um, i imagine <laughs> i imagine that people will want that, and i've, I've uh, been through this process with quite a lot of people and people naturally want to reach out and say that was wonderful um
1: that's that's just don't be surprised if all you get is like a little heart reaction which is about what i manage most of the time like i always say to people when i when i message other people i always make sure i put at the bottom like just don't worry about replying don't feel rushed like reply if you want to or don't reply or reply in your own time um but i never want to have anyone else feel that pressure because i know what it feels like to you know people with the best intentions don't realize that a lot of people are overwhelmed and maybe i don't realize that a lot of people are quite overwhelmed with it as well um so yeah a little heart reaction maybe we should all just get a little bit more used to just keeping it short and sweet for each other and and not stressing each other out but just knowing that that there's people there that appreciate appreciate you and want to help and yeah that kind of thing
0: amazing tina thank you so much for coming on
1: today (laughs)